Yo, yo, yo. How's it going? My name is Corbin Ford. You can follow me at Corbin NBA on Twitter. Let me tell you, I love the National Basketball Association, everything about it. And NBA Today gives me the opportunity to talk about it with y'all. The ins, the outs, NBA from all angles, from current hot topics to flashbacks in the NBA's past to literally everything in between. And yes, that includes NBA Twitter. NBA Today is the show for the hoop junkies on hoop ball. Check it out. NBA Today with Corbin Ford. I look forward to talking with y'all real soon. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, hello, friends. Yes, yes, I'm in a good mood today because uh, the Lakers looked like the uh, Lakers looked like damn contenders yesterday. I'm sorry, guys. We're into the playoffs now. the 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 homerism is going to shine through a little bit every once in a while, and now, um, you know, more often than once in a while because. There aren't that many teams left, and one of the ones that's left is one of the ones that I care about from a, I actually want to see good things happen. Look, here's the thing. Here's the promise I can always make you on this podcast. The promise I can always make you is that on the fantasy side, I will never veer away from Lakers pragmatism. I didn't tell you to draft any of those dudes. I mean, obviously, if you could get Anthony Davis, that was a massive victory this year but I I didn't tell you to draft any of those other guys told you to avoid them like the plague aside from the superstars I'm a very pragmatic fantasy basketball player I do not let my personal feelings cloud my judgment on that front but now we're in the playoffs fantasy doesn't matter anymore we're betting on things I have a rooting interest it's why I liked the Rockets I loved the under in that game yesterday but I couldn't bring myself to bet the Rockets because well I just didn't want to see them win so I loaded up on the under, and that worked out well. The under, underfest these days. Every game. This always happens, guys. I don't know why it takes, it's, it's annual at this point. I don't know why it takes so long for everybody to catch up on this stuff. I think, honestly, and I haven't even introduced the podcast yet, but we'll do that here in a second. Truly, I believe that now in this era of pace and space, everybody's got to run, everybody's got to hoist three-pointers, we were particularly not ready for playoff-style basketball. This was about as far away. This regular season veered so far away from playoff style that by the time we got here, everyone forgot that in the playoffs, no one runs. Defensively, your main job is to prevent easy buckets. Everything is in the half court. Nobody wants to risk a turnover. Games get slow. And even if the first game or maybe the first or second game in a series goes over the total, the number starts to chase itself down. The total goes under, the number moves down. The game slows down more, the number moves down. The game slows down more. And it happens in every series because as a series goes on, there's actually only a limited number of things you can do offensively that you haven't already done during the regular season. The Bucks and the Heat series, which we'll be recapping here in a few minutes, is a prime example of a team that literally had no backup plan 
The Bucks had no backup plan. Oh, if Giannis blasting downhill doesn't work, we have nothing else we can try. During the regular season, teams were either A, too tired, to B, too disinterested, C, not wanting to reveal a game plan they could use later. The list goes on and on as to why teams just sort of tried to beat the Bucks straight up during the regular season. Maybe because they just didn't want to get too beat up, but it's the playoffs now. Miami was more than willing to take some lumps to just keep the Bucks at bay, to mess with what they do. You saw it in the Lakers-Blazers series. As that series progressed, even, frankly, relatively early on, Lakers made the adjustment very early to either double or hard hedge on Portland pick and roll. That's an easy adjustment. They were like, you know what, we're going to try some stuff. Game one, Lakers took a handful of darts and flung them at a wall. And they were like, oh, okay. When they went to the tape during the next 44 hours, and we're like, oh, look, here's the thing that worked. We keep Dame and CJ out of the paint. We keep Dame and CJ from getting an open look at a three coming off a screen. The rest of these guys aren't going to beat us. We're fast enough to get back on Nurkic, who was really the only other threat for most of that series. Slight nod to Mello. You're seeing it in the Lakers-Rockets series now, which we'll also profile here in a minute. You're seeing it in Boston-Toronto. Every damn series, we have seen the same thing happen. Teams try stuff early in a series, both offensively and defensively. Teams don't want to veer too far away from what, they, what they're good at on offense, so there's less variation there's less variance on what a team is going to throw at an opposition from that side. Defensively, there's 900 things you can do. You can change personnel. You can change rotations. You can change looks. You can go into a zone. How you play every single set against an opposition, you can change it on a, on a play-to-play basis if you want. And so as a series goes on, defenses catch up with offenses. The only thing that ever drives a total up as you get later into a series are live ball turnovers. That's it. That's it. Or free throws, I guess, if you had an extraordinarily high free throw shooting game, which they have popped up. I think now that the, the microscope is on these conference semis and pretty soon the conference finals, the, the free throw counts do seem to be decreasing ever so slightly, but... All right, that's that's more anecdotal than anything else. Uh, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm Dan Vespers. This is your uh, September 9th, Wednesday edition of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Shout out to everybody that hit me up yesterday. I put out a tweet looking for salespeople. We're always looking for people that can just bang it out on the phone. If you have, let me put it to you easily. If you have anywhere from 10 to 40 hours a week, it's a big window, I know, but less than 10 doesn't work. And, you know, over 40 businesses are closed. But if you have anywhere from 10 to 40 hours a week, that corresponds to Pacific Time business hours. Hit me up. You can make some coin by making phone calls for Hoopball. It's not easy. I'm not going to tell you that you can just wander into it. But if you're good on the phones and you can just hammer out calls, bug me. Bug me. If you got sales experience, that's even better. Uh, also, if you want to get involved in our gambling division, now's the perfect time to hit me up because this is a time where we can really kind of scrutinize what you're doing, size you up, teach you things, make you part of a growing uh, roster that right now is 
uh, Brewski, of course, myself, we love gambling things. But then Ira, Devin, and Troy are just are amazing. Those guys are amazing. Brew and I cover basketball. Those three guys handle every other sport on earth, seemingly. So hit me up if you want to be a part of any of that stuff. This is, of course, a HoopBall presentation, hoop-ball.com, the website, at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter. Let's start by breaking down the games coming up tonight. That's the way we've been doing it. No reason to change what works. Toronto, up against it, trailing three games to two in their best-of-seven series with the Boston Celtics. Celtics favored by three and a half points, total of 209 and a half. The total is finally catching up to the game speed. Finally now getting close to catching up with the game speed. Last total ended at 212. It opened at 210 and actually moved up two points. Meanwhile, I was telling you guys on Monday, it still is going under. And of course, it went under by a dozen damn points. It wasn't even close, honestly. Boston played a nearly perfect, a nearly flawless offensive game, but they also played a nearly flawless defensive game. And it's really, it, it, it's about looking at pace. It's about looking at pace and playing the numbers. In that last ball game, Boston, 27 free throws, 11 turnovers, and 77 field goal attempts. If we just do fuzzy math here on the podcast, and again, if you and before you place a wager on something like this, it's best to really do the deep dive and find out you know, how many of those free throws were and ones, because those are not additional possessions. That's a really big deal. Um, you know, what about... Do we count offensive rebound, putback, stuff like that? Did somebody have like a maybe a, a, a tip slam? That would go in as a field goal attempt. Is that really another possession? I mean, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, so at this point, I think the one thing you're really looking at is how many and ones were there. We're just going to ignore those for now and assume that we are actually overestimating the number of possessions ever so slightly. But look at the last ball game. Boston-Toronto. Boston won 111-89. to First of all, uh, I think Toronto does have something left in the tank for this ballgame. I don't think they're rolling over this easy. They got smoked in that last one. Boston has seemingly been the slightly better team in this series, but all of a sudden now you're getting Toronto with a handful of points, which you were not getting earlier in this series. So if you're going to get the side, I think I'd look at the Toronto side. But honestly, to me, I'd, I'd, I'd want a little bit more. I think I'd want Toronto by four or five before I got down on it. So that one's a maybe at very best. Let's look at the totals a little bit more. Uh, 77 shots, 11 turnovers. Add those together, you got 88. Add 13 and a half. We're just dividing the free throws by two, assuming everything was a... And, you know, some of those might be a three-shot free throw. So that'll be another situation where we're probably overestimating ever so slightly. But let's just add 13 and a half to 88. That's 101.5. That's actually a pretty low number of possessions. Boston scored 111 points because they shot the ball very well, both from the field and from the free throw line, and didn't turn the ball over very much. Okay, Boston, hyper-efficient. They overperformed their number of possessions. Toronto, very much on the other side. They shot just 39% from the field, only had 13 free throws, 85 field goal attempts, 13 turnovers, gets you to 98, plus 6.5 is 104.5. They underperformed by scoring only 89 Still, what you should probably be looking at is the combination of the two. So 101.5 and 104.5 and is 206. 206 possessions. Still, I mean, if you look at one point per possession, which in the playoffs is actually relatively high, uh, you're still going under that last total by eight. You would still then go under today's total by five to six points. But 
the wiggle room is dissipating. It's finally now getting close. I mean, we're look, if you got a number at like 212 and you think that your game is going to be rolling out near 204 and you have an eight-point window, you definitely grab it. We've, we played this game on the podcast yesterday and the day before. Try to figure out what, how the total lines up with the expected score. I said yesterday's Laker game was going to be a 214 or 216 final. The pace told us that that game had about a six-point window between the total on the board, which was 222, and the expected pace result, which was about 214 or 216. And it could have, frankly, gone way under. But for the Lakers, uh, once again, just annihilating Houston on their offensive side. Houston is... The, defensively, they played quite well against Oklahoma City. Their switching worked really well because OKC's only method of attack was to try to beat Houston off the dribble. Lakers are just gigantic. It's a different, it's a different beast, but whatever. We'll break, that, uh, we'll break that game and series down here in a minute. We're still talking Toronto-Boston. A uh, total of 209.5 or 210, so we have a little bit of room there, maybe five-ish points. Uh, under the idea here that you know, does Boston, it's hard to close a team out. I expect Toronto to have a little bit of a flurry, most likely early in this ballgame, so taking the under is a little bit more dicey, although I still believe the pace, not just from this game, but for the entire series, there really hasn't been a game yet that looked to me like it should go over this number. It just hasn't. I mean, it, it's closer. The pace has been slowing, continues to slow. What did I say, 206 for that last ball game after... Oh, geez, we have to go back and do the math again. What the hell was the last one? I think uh, last one was more like 210-ish. Uh, 89, 13 and a half, 102 and a half, plus 107 and a half. Yeah, it was about 210 on the last one, so we still had about six-ish points of value. That was the Saturday game. So they were at 210 pace on Saturday. Last game ended up at 206. So again, this was another thing we talked about, and I mentioned it on VEASAN. Not only is the total coming down, but the pace is actually coming down as well. I, I just, from watching that last ball game, I don't see how it slows anymore. That, to me, was about as slow as the game can get, which was 204. 204, 206. What did I say? 206. So now you're looking at four-ish points of value on the total. To me, that's not enough to go as big as we have been on the other ones, where I've been feeling much more strongly. So very slight lean to Toronto, slightly larger lean to the under, but probably leaving this one alone. Maybe looking at a bit more in-game stuff. If Toronto gets out to a quick start, I think you can expect Boston to bounce back, but it really could be a tight ball game. The series has been pretty close. Late game on the docket tonight, the Clippers and the Nuggets. Clippers favored by eight. That number has rightfully come down over the first couple of games. Clippers uh, were favored by nine in the opener. They won, or uh, they lost. Eh, I'm getting all turned around here. Clippers were favored by nine and a half in the opener. They won by 23. They were favored by nine in game two. They lost by nine. They were favored by eight and a half in game three. They won by six, and now they're favored by eight. So that's a number that is... Uh, very slowly working its way down. The total is another story. Total in the first game was 223, 
and it ever so barely went under, mostly because Denver couldn't score at all. Game two's total actually was higher at 224, inexplicably, and that one went way under at 211 as the pace began to slow. And look, we'll play the game again. These games are going faster, make no mistake. Clippers-Nuggets is a faster-paced series than the other ones we're looking at. The, uh... Yeah, I mean, you're you're looking at a pace that gets you much closer. In fact, I actually was eyeballing the over in... Uh, game three, right, on Monday at 2.20. I liked the over. It ended at 2.20 because the pace from the previous game was about 2.24. And I thought, all right, well, if they can get back to that mark, you've got a little bit of wiggle room there. The problem, of course, is, as we've seen in all of these damn series, the pace slowed down. It slowed down. The pace was 224, roughly. Again, we're doing this sort of fuzzy math here a little bit, so don't call me out on, on specifics. I am, again, ignoring three-shot fouls and and ones. So the pace is actually probably ever so slightly slower than the number I'm giving you guys. But if you look at this most recent game, the Clippers' six-point win over Denver, the Clippers shot 55%. But I don't even care about that right now because what's important, 75 field goal attempts, 17 turnovers, a lot of them, a lot of live ball stuff. They gave Denver some looks early in this ballgame, and 26 free throws. 105 was the pace on the Clippers' side, and on the Nuggets' side, it was a little bit higher. They had 94 field goal attempts, didn't get many free throws, so only five possessions there, 99, plus 12 is 111. So combine that, you're at 216. That is eight fewer, if you want to call it possessions, where, I mean, that's, an again, you can divide this in half, whatever, doesn't matter. Um... This is how we're working out the pace of play. Possessions is the wrong name for it. This is just a pace number we're working out on a podcast because we don't have time to do uh, intricate math on a uh, half an hour pod. So now you're at 216. They actually cleared the expected final mark in that game, largely because the Clippers shot 55%. What about the next one? What about the game coming up tonight? Well, Clippers favored by eight, total of 221 and a half. I would look at the under in that ballgame. I would look at the under. I think the Clippers started to figure out a little bit more what they want to do with Denver on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, For Denver, and this is the thing, you can get into the weeds and you can be like, well, Jamal Murray was terrible, so he'll be much better in this next one, so Denver will score more than 107. It's just not that straightforward. Gary Harris might not have 10 points on six shots. Jokic might not score 32 and nearly triple-double on 24 shots. The Clippers might not have 17 turnovers leading to 10 Denver steals in that game. The Clippers might not shoot 55% in their next ballgame. There's a lot of things. We like to, when when we're trying to make an argument for an over or an under, it's very easy to look at the previous ballgame and pick and, and cherry-pick the things that you like or dislike. If you wanted to bet the over in this next game, you'd be like, well, Jamal Murray is going to score more than 14 points on his 17 shots. He'll have 24. That's 10 more points, and that would get us to an easy over. It just doesn't work that way. Teams are a collective. They are a unit. Yeah, Jamal Murray probably will have a better ball game. I wouldn't. I don't doubt that at all. Uh, Jeremy Grant might have a better ball game. But on the opposite side, you might see Paul Millsap. 
not play as well. You might see Jokic not play as well. You might see Paul George not play as well on the Clippers' side. They might shoot 52% instead of 55 I don't know. These things have a way of leveling off. And in a long playoff series, these things have a way of grinding. That game got to 220 when the expected final number was around 216. That's, that's a reasonable variance. It's not going to be right on the mark the way Lakers and Rockets was yesterday. Uh, but again, with the total moving up and my expected pace going down... If anything, maybe staying the same. I'd be pretty surprised if it went back up again. Uh, I like the under. I flipped. I've changed my tune now. I liked the over in the last one, which, again, was was a push, effectively. Uh, but now I like the under. I just think that that 216 will come down to 215 or 214, and suddenly you're looking at... And by the way, the public almost always bets overs regardless of what's happening in, a, in a, a series or a game. So that 221 and a half might be 222 or 222 and a half by game time. You might find yourself with a six to eight point expected margin of victory there on the total, assuming the pace is similar to what it was, what it was last game. Hey, if you get rid of those live ball turnovers on the Clippers side, you might see the pace slow in that respect. Get rid of fast break stuff. So, on the docket for tonight, ever so slightly into Toronto. Barely, barely, barely. Smallest, perhaps, on the board. Slightly bigger lean to the under in Game 1. Also pretty small. Slightly larger lean to the under in Game 2. And I have no take on the side in Game 2. I really don't know what's going to happen. Clippers look like they started to wake up late. What do they do at the outset of this one? I mean, I think they've been punched in the mouth enough to know that they can't just coast through this Denver series. And as I said before, Denver has sort of weird personnel in that they have one of their best players is at one of the Clippers' weakest spots, if not the weakest spot on the Clippers, depending on what possession position you see, you claim the other guys are playing on the team. And, and look, I know that Clippers' Twitter has been drooling and coating Ivica Zubats in a, in a thick layer of slobber, but he's, he's fine. Like, he's a decent basketball player, but Jokic is going to continue to just maul him. He will. Uh, it's actually the, the same reason why I look at the Lakers-Clippers series and say I, I really don't know. Because the Clippers have the right pieces to slow down LeBron, not really the right pieces to slow down Anthony Davis. The Lakers have maybe one good piece. They could slow down either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, but the other one should be able to run amok. That would be a hell of a series, and we might get there. We'll see. All of the betting lines and all of the betting info are brought to you by our buddies at mybookie.ag. I have a brand new, really exciting contest to tell you guys about related to mybookie, so please tune in right now. I know sometimes you guys are like, oh, here comes an advertisement. I'm going to skip ahead 30 seconds, but this is a brand new thing that we are running here at HoopBall related to our partnership with MyBookie, which just got extended by four more weeks. Thanks to you guys signing up over there and showing them what a wonderful partner HoopBall can be. We now want to make things a little more fun for you. So here's what's going on. We're running what we are going to call a Beat the Pros contest, although the pro beating part is really more fun than anything else. Oh, by the way, uh, you can sign up for an account at MyBookie with promo code HoopBall and unlock your deposit bonus. Oh my god, oh my god, before I even get into the contest, are you guys aware 
that my bookie right now is running a promo for the start of the NFL season where you can bet on the Chiefs plus 54. It is the easiest bet in the history of betting. You can only bet $50 on it. They've maxed it out because they can't just give away the entire farm. But look, here's the thing. It's a blatant scheme to get you guys to sign up. But you should sign up anyway because we're betting basketball. Brew is winning. Ira's beating hockey. Devin is beating baseball. Troy is beating soccer. There's no reason not to at this point. Go to mybookie.ag, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL. It's on that third page. And when you make your initial deposit, for one, you can use a promo code. Uh, or you can use one of the promotions you unlock by using the code HOOPBALL. Two, they will see what a great job HOOPBALL's doing by sending them new accounts. And three, and this is only open until tomorrow because the NFL season begins tomorrow, you can put $50 on a bet that's going to win at least 99% of the time. Probably more. Yes, there's a VIG on it. So it's bet 50 to win about 45 and a half. Uh, 44 and a half, 45, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, you're basically, get, and this is not promo bucks. You know how sometimes when you do a promotion, you get free play that you bet, and then there's rollover, and then if you win on that, then it goes into your main bucket. This is none of that. This is a straight wager promotion. You can put $50 on the Kansas City Chiefs plus 54 points. They would have to lose to the Texans, by 55 tomorrow for you not to win your $50 bet. So open up an account, and literally, I don't care if this is all you do. Open up an account, use promo code HOOPBALL, put in 50 bucks, use your credit card, use Bitcoin, whatever it is you use, put in $50, bet it on the Chiefs plus 54. You have 24 hours basically to do this before that bet comes off the board, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, and then when it's done, you'll have 95 bucks. And I believe that if you're if you're doing Bitcoin, you can cash out any number you want. I think if you're doing it on a, a credit card or a checking account, there might have to be some round number like fifty or a hundred to do it to have them send you a check. Uh, but basically, at that point, you could cash out. Or if there's a round number you need, put in a hundred bucks, bet fifty on the Chiefs, get your fifty back plus the forty-five you win. Now your account is at $145. You could cash out if you wanted to. I don't care. My bookie expects you to keep playing. Well, all sports books do. That's how they win. They want people playing. But if you're really disciplined, you could do it that way. It's crazy, man. It's an absolutely insane thing. I put $50 on it yesterday because that's the first I saw of it. But you got to open up an account with promo code HOOPBALL to do it. The other thing that's happening right now, and I know, listen, this is why I told you guys to pay attention because we're basically giving you money. Um... The Beat the Pros contest. Anyone that signs up for a new MyBookie account this week, between uh, Monday of this, this week, two days ago, and Sunday of the end of this week, will be entered automatically. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say automatically. You need, to, you need to tweet us. You need to tweet at HoopBallGaming to let us know that you signed up. Then you get to enter a contest next week whereby... You have to put 14 plays out over the course of the week, so an average of two per day. And the person who has the most units, one, the person who has the best week, basically, is going to win a cash prize from Hoopball. We're giving away cash. 
That's another great way to get involved. So, so again, sign up with promo code HoopBall. Put your 50 bucks on the Chiefs plus 54 for your uh, guaranteed winner. It's crazy. Sports betting shouldn't have guaranteed winners, but that's a guaranteed winner. And then partake in our contest next week. You don't even have to play the picks that you put out in the contest. We'd like it if you did, but you don't even have to. You can play just by signing up for an account, sending us your account number so that we know you're in and my bookie can make sure that everything is set up properly. And then you just put out plays all of next week. And the winner, the person who has the most units at the end of the week, is going to win some cash amount. It will be determined based basically on how many people are in the contest. The bigger the contest, the more money you guys can win. It's not a buy-in. Yes, you do have to deposit money in your MyBookie account to uh, get credit for being a MyBookie account. But to get into the actual contest, there's nothing else you need to do. Sign up for an account. Promo code HoopBall. Bet on the Chiefs. That game is tomorrow. Turn your 50 bucks into 95. And then next week, play our contest. Easy. Easy peasy. All right. I'll hammer you guys with that tomorrow, too. But, I mean, like, if you're not putting the $50 on... If you're not putting the $50 on the Chiefs plus 54, you're, you're out of your damn mind. Quick recap of what went on on Tuesday night. The Bucks were polished off. Game over, man. Game over. No Giannis. No victory. Miami wins 103-94. Uh, took the heat a little bit to get going. About midway through the second quarter, they started to put the clamps on, and then it was just kind of a slow burn on Milwaukee. They they did a, a pretty good job to not get totally blown out. Brooke Lopez ended up having a really nice series. Dante DiVincenzo played well, filling in for Giannis. Uh, Chris Middleton, I mean, this is just too much for him to do. Fouled out, uh, but that wasn't really an issue in the ballgame. He just, you know, Chris Middleton iso was not going to work for an entire ball game. He shot 32%, 25 shots, 23 points. There was no real hope there. Uh, Heat had 21 turnovers and still won this game, which again tells you that their heart wasn't in it the whole way through, but it was in it enough. And Miami advances to the Eastern Conference Finals. They await the winner of Boston and Toronto. And that'll be a really good series because neither one of those teams has a simple offense to defend, and neither one of those teams is a slouch on defense. That's going to be a, a slugfest, man. Holy moly. Doesn't matter who comes out of Toronto, Boston. Kudos to Miami. They've continued to do their stuff, basically. They're, they're hitting threes. They are getting good looks. They're playing really good defense. Jimmy Butler's getting to the foul line. And guys like Jay Crowder are reigning in buckets right now. They've been able to get sort of pick-me-ups from guys like Tyler Hero, when, say, you know, Goran Dragic wasn't quite as good as in this ballgame, Bam Adebayo wasn't really as good in this ballgame, other guys have picked things up. The Heat are just a really good team. That's a team that's greater than the sum of its parts. No question. Because talent-wise, they should have gotten smoked in this series, and it wasn't close. They were better the whole way through. Almost every second of every game, they were the better team. For Milwaukee, the conversation immediately turns to what to do with the offseason. I would be floored if Coach Bud was back next year. Floored. If you can get in on a will Coach Bud be back for next season prop bet, I don't know where you might find that one. I would say no a hundred times out of a hundred. If they bring him back, 
to me, that that would be unbearably foolish. They need a coach, and maybe a coaching staff might be the other part of that, that can come up with an actual playoff plan that is willing to play their guys enough minutes in do-or-die playoff situations. Just Coach Bud has shown himself to not be a good playoff coach. He's had these great regular season rosters that, uh, I mean, you go back to the Hawks, era where his entire team was on the all-star team because they were just very good all together. They had a great regular season game plan. Same thing with the Bucks. Great regular season team, stuck to their guns, never never varied, played the math, which works over the long haul, but not in these not in these short bursts. You need to show an ability to react, to be dynamic, and they didn't. They never attacked areas that where they had advantages. I mean, other than a few moments here and there. So they're done. Milwaukee is out. Um, is Giannis going to be back? Well, yeah, the answer is yeah. He's still on contract for another year. So, uh, duh, he's going to be back. The following year, I don't know. I mean, I know he came out already and said, I'm never leaving this place, but there's a lot of, you know, that's like sales 101. If you're going to push a guy right in the heat of battle, of course he's going to push back. You know, this was right after his team got beat right after his team got beat embarrassingly in the series. And they're like, hey, Giannis, you thinking about leaving? He's like, hell no, we're going to fight. Well, and then all of a sudden, at some point here over the next few weeks, maybe he gets out of the bubble, things settle down in his brain. You know, he's going to be like, man, like, can we actually, is this the, the place where we can do this? Like, what about the contracts we have? We're locked into this. So someone's going to have to convince Giannis that with the pieces they have, they can put together a different look come playoff time and get over that hump, which is not impossible. I think odds are uh, he probably does stay put. Eh, maybe I wouldn't say probably stays put, but if you were going to say odds he ends up in different places, the largest percentage chance is probably that he's in Milwaukee. And then the second largest is, who knows? Everybody's like, oh, he's going to go join the team that, that clubbed him in Miami. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we're a ways away from that. There's all of next season. But to me, one of the ways that they give themselves a, at least a better shot of retaining him is to get uh, a head coach that values those playoff wins. Because Bud does a wonderful job of valuing his players' health and mental status during the regular season. Rest days, low-minute counts, things like that. Not worried about the day-to-day -day grind as much. Keeping guys fresh. Uh, great, that's a coach everybody was going to like. But if it's not going to get you a championship then guys are going to get frustrated. So, gone fishing. Game two from yesterday. Uh, quick recap on this one before we wrap up the pod. Lakers beat the Rockets 112-102. Playoff Rondo for the second game in a row. And he was, he was truly great in the ballgame yesterday. I mean, I was... I was flabbergasted because the previous game, Rondo was good. He had some really good moments, but he also got really lucky a bunch of times in game two. Yesterday was not, uh, I mean, yeah, he hit some three-pointers, which I guess you could call some of that luck, but overall, he just played a stellar ball game. He did all the right things. He made the right choices. He hit his shots when Houston abandoned him and dared him to take shots. He made great passes. He made great reads. He had that steal on Harden. Defensively, he was in the right place. He was orchestrating traps with his teammates, moving guys around to keep rim protectors closer to sort of the back end of whatever they were doing. He was great. I couldn't believe it. 
I thought game two was more the fluke, but maybe that I don't know. Anyway, Houston has no answer for Anthony Davis, who, of course, had that brutal collision with Rob Covington very late in the ballgame. Didn't have an out, an impact on the outcome of this thing, uh, but Davis took a face to the hip. Covington got an elbow and then a hip to the face, certainly the worst of the two. Covington is is listed as probable for the Lakers-Rockets game tomorrow, which blows me away because he got creamed on that play, and I've got to think that there's a concussion, and maybe they're downplaying it a little bit, you know, playoffs, whatever, which I don't like at all. I mean, if he's really, truly healthy, we'll know. We'll know, because that next game is going to start tomorrow, and if Covington is, like, chasing little Tweety Birds off to the side, it's going to be pretty clear that Houston fudged the numbers, and that would make me very upset, because you guys know my love for Rob Covington, and if they mess with him, ooh, I'll come get you. Don't you mess with my sweet Rob Covington. Don't you do it. He's finally in his perfect fantasy spot. Don't you do it. Going to be on every damn team of mine next year. Provided Houston doesn't run him out there and give him CTE here in game four. Um, Nobody played any defense in the first half. Uh, Lakers played defense in the second half. They also slowed the game down. It was sort of a combination of factors. Didn't foul very often, which was also a really big deal. Harden had seven free throws. He made all seven. In fact, the Rockets hit all 14 of their foul shots. Lakers got to the line a little bit more often, although the fouls called in this game were were pretty close. I get, you know, a lot of it was just Lakers didn't get into the bonus as early. Um, Lakers foul or the fouls on the Rockets were sort of clustered in, in one quarter where then the Lakers did get into the bonus. And then not sending AD... LeBron or Harden to the line is a tall order for any team. Those those three guys are always going to take the bulk of the free throws in this series. What I liked as a Laker fan was the uh, the sort of the schemes that they were employing on defense in this ball game that that varied from the last one. Particularly, I mean, definitely in the second half when they started to change up how they were doubling where they were funneling guys, how they were doubling, and how they were rotating back on defense, while also somehow keeping in the face of shooters. The Lakers made an adjustment in that second half, and I got to do some more digging on this, but it really, the Rockets had very few open looks in the whole second half. Lakers turned a deficit at halftime into a, a, a lead running away, basically. they I think they... Outscored the Rockets by four in the third quarter and ten in the fourth. Am I getting that right? So anyway, um, Lakers kind of took the Rockets' punch in this game. Westbrook played much, much better. Harden was good. Covington was good. Jeff Green was pretty good. And and yet the Lakers still beat him up. They forced the Rockets off the three-point line. They forced him into a game that they were a little bit less familiar with. And it worked out well. Kudos. Lakers also starting to impose themselves on the glass a little bit more. And you wonder, maybe some of that is just getting beat up for a whole series. Like, you know, P.J. Tucker, three points, four rebounds in Game 3 yesterday. Is that a guy that's just taking too much of a pounding right now? Or he was a monster in Game 1, and he was pretty damn good in Game 2. Is is having to deal with McGee at AD. And I, and I know that he's the center and he deals with bigger guys 
perpetually. You know, he was dealing with Steven Adams in that Oklahoma City series. Uh, but Steven Adams wasn't really trying to score. Tucker didn't have to play much defense other than I- intense box outs. <laughs> this is a little bit different. So, I, you know, some of it is I just wonder, uh, is does microball catch up with a team when they get when they just get beat up for this long? Or is it a more complicated answer that the Lakers have figured out better rotations to get guys on Gordon and Tucker, the dudes that tend to be firing from the wing in the corner? You know, Covington, Harden, those are the guys, you may, you might see those guys take the, the above-the-break shots a little bit more often. Maybe that's the reason those are the guys that made more three-pointers. I don't know. I do a little bit more digging. Rockets were without Daniel House. Uh, personal matter. We, uh, I still don't think we have the the story on that. And yeah, that hurts the Rockets a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if I'd call it a massive difference maker. I, I don't think that changes how yesterday's game would have gone. Um, it wasn't like they they went deeper into the bench. You saw 10 minutes out of Ben McLemore, but that was about it. 10 minutes out of Austin Rivers. They mostly stuck with the same guys. I think you probably saw a little bit more Jeff Green. And, you know, that was about it. You know, the, the regulars just played a, a crap load of minutes. Pretty typical for a Dan Tony team. Pretty typical for anybody in the playoffs. That's a fun one, man. Fun to be a Laker fan and, and watch a team kind of figure it out in the middle of a ball game. We'll see what the Rockets come up with for Game 4. I'm sure D'Antoni and Harden have something up their sleeve, but uh, again, kudos to the Lakers. They implemented a strategy in that second half, and it worked. And that'll do it for our show today, folks. Make sure to check out our buddies over at manscaped.com as well. Coupon code there is HoopBall20. HoopBall20. 20% off free shipping on your order of the lawnmower. Keep that promo short today. You guys know what's up. Just check it out, man. It's a really good product. And again, for the love of all that is holy, go get your free $45. This is not $45 promo dollars. This is a $45 winner at my bookie. They're doing this to get you to sign up, but you should sign up. They expect you to do it, win your $45, and then lose it on the next couple of ball games. But that's what we're here for. We won't let you do that. Stick with us. Me, Brew, Ira, Devin, Troy. Stick with our team here. Bet small. We'll slowly work that thing into a bigger bankroll if you want. Or win a couple of bets and cash out. Take the money. Use the promo code HoopBall, though. Please, Lord, if you're going to sign up, use the promo code so at least they'll know who sent you. HoopBall, the promo code at mybookie.ag. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today without the fantasy for the NBA playoffs. Uh, oh, other piece of news. Uh, quickie, quickies here. Uh, Marvin Williams announced his retirement, which ends the uh, another old man career. That's an actual old man. Uh, Billy Donovan out as the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sounded like it was a mutual parting of ways, which was weird because they overachieved this year. Question was, I guess, how much of that was Donovan and how much of it was Chris Paul. This, I think, tells you that maybe more of it was Chris Paul and probably an expectation that they're going to move their their veterans for next year and it's time to go into full rebuild mode. That would be my guess. They're going to go to a younger coach, uh, someone that's ready to sort of take them through a rebuild now. And Donovan probably wants to go someplace that's either a contender or uh, maybe we'll see him go back to college. Who knows? So Donovan out. Marvin Williams retired. Uh, and I think 
What the hell else am I forgetting on that front? That might be the only other thing. Was there anything else? Uh... No, I think that was it. Seriously, guys, what am I forgetting? Somebody yell at me here. I don't have a producer. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lie. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but whatever. We'll do it on tomorrow's show. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. Enjoy the playoff basketball as per usual. You can hit me up on Twitter if you need anything, at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.